Hello and welcome to Coco Pods, a podcast of the Birth Center for Natural Deliveries Foundation. My name is Dr. Bola Sogade and I'm your host. Today we are fortunate to have with us Dr. Ogushakin, an infectious disease specialist. Thank you, Dr. Ogushakin, for coming to our podcast today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. So we know that during pregnancy, hemorrhage and cardiovascular conditions are the leading causes of death. At delivery and shortly after, infection is the leading cause of death, affecting 13% of all maternal mortality. In the postpartum period, often during the time when new parents are out of the hospital and beyond the traditional six to eight week period, cardiomyopathy that is weakened heart muscle and mental health conditions, including substance abuse and suicide, are identified as the leading causes of death. So Dr. Ogunsakin, this is, we're in a pandemic, first of all. And can you speak to COVID and how COVID can affect pregnancy and the pregnant mother? Thank you. COVID-19 is a disease caused by the SARS coronavirus 2. Uh, it is a worldwide infection right now. It's called a pandemic. It is highly infectious and um, it has been seen that um, COVID-19 infections in pregnant women tend to be more severe than in non-pregnant women. Uh, also, COVID-19 infections in pregnant women carry a significant risk for the mother and the baby. Severe COVID-19 infection in a pregnant woman can result in serious illness that can jeopardize the life of the mother and the baby. It can result in uh, breathing problems, shortness of breath. If it's severe, that can uh, need admission to the hospital, admission to the intensive care unit, and even placement of the mother on the ventilator. So COVID-19 can be very severe in pregnant women. And it can also jeopardize the baby and result in uh, premature labor, premature and preterm delivery, in which situation the baby is born earlier than normal. And when that happens, the baby's life can be in jeopardy. So COVID-19 is a very serious disease, can be a very serious disease in pregnant women. So I think we all know this, but what are some of the preventative things that a pregnant woman, like any other person, should be doing to at least prevent uh, catching the COVID-19 illness? Yes, CDC guidelines, uh, WHO guidelines uh, specify that uh, everyone should wear a mask when you're outside your home, when you're around people, wear a mask, wear a mask all the time, and um, make sure that you stay six feet away from people. That distance, that social distance is very critical because when people are talking or laughing, they expel small droplets out of their nose and mouth that contain the virus. If they're infected, it contains the virus. And if you are within six feet of an infected person, those small droplets can end up entering your nose and you can get infected. So that distance of six feet, that social distancing is very critical in preventing COVID-19 infection, in addition to people wearing their mask. And also people must wash their hands thoroughly because if you touch a surface that um, some particles have settled on containing COVID-19 viral particles, 
you can touch your mouth or your nose or your eyes and get infected. So those are the major things, wearing a mask, washing your hands, and staying six feet away, social distancing. Those critical pieces are very important for preventing COVID-19. Thank you. Now, I want to move into the vaccine. Vaccines are now available and they are called mRNA vaccines and could pregnant women or women breastfeeding take these vaccines? Could you speak to this, please? Okay. There are several vaccines uh, that have been approved. There are some that are still in development. mRNA vaccines, so-called messenger RNA vaccines, were developed using genetic technology. Uh, There are actually two mRNA vaccines that are available right now, the Moderna vaccine and the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine. They are both mRNA vaccines. This vaccine was developed using technology that had been in development for many years. And uh, the technology happened to be complete right in time to use in making the COVID-19 vaccine. When the vaccines were being um, developed in clinical trials, pregnant women were not included in the clinical trials. Pregnant women were excluded from the clinical trials. So we don't actually know for sure about using this vaccine in pregnant women, but the technology is felt to be safe. The CDC, the WHO, and even the American College of Gynecologists Obstetrics and gynecologists have said that pregnant women can get mRNA vaccines, that those vaccines are safe for use. There is a new trial, clinical trial, which has been started by Pfizer recently, specifically for pregnant women. So 4,000 pregnant women are going to be in this trial. Half of them will get the vaccine and half of them will get a placebo. And we'll see exactly how they do. That trial is ongoing right now, so we don't have the result. But it is advised that women who are at high risk for getting COVID-19 infection or who are at high risk for getting severe COVID-19 infection, they should be given the vaccines, the mRNA vaccines. Uh, CDC advises that. CDC advises that women who are pregnant should talk to their healthcare providers to get more information and to get reassured. But these vaccines are felt to be safe in pregnant women, and those who are at high risk should get the vaccine. Thank you. So I have two questions. Are there any ethical concerns to giving some women a placebo in when we know that the vaccines might have a benefit of protection? And number two, who are the women that are at high risk for severe COVID infections? Okay, thank you. It's a very difficult area for healthcare providers because here you have a disease that can be very severe and threaten the life of a mother and child. But then you have a a vaccine that is newly made and was not tried in pregnant women. So even though we think it may be safe, we don't have the, the evidence, we don't have the research data that shows that it's safe. Now, Concerning giving placebo to half of the women, in scientific research, that is the way things are done. If you want to prove that something is safe, you have to give it to a certain group of people 
and then not give it to another group of people and then compare the outcomes. Scientifically, that is the way to prove that something is safe. So even though uh, we understand that by not giving it to half of them, we may be uh, subjecting them to the risk of getting COVID, there is no other option to prove that the vaccine is safe than to give half of the people vaccine and give half of the people placebo. That is the way scientific trials are conducted. And now, which class of women or who are the people at risk for a more severe COVID infection? Okay. We do know that people who have certain comorbidities, certain health problems are at higher risk for severe COVID. So women who do have these uh, comorbid conditions, including things like diabetes, high blood pressure, chronic lung disease, chronic heart disease, obesity. Pregnant women who also have those comorbidities are at higher risk for getting COVID and for getting severe COVID infection. Dr. Gushakin, we're going to make a detour here. We want you to talk about your training. How did you become an infectious disease specialist and what encouraged your passion for this line of medicine? I went to medical school in Nigeria when I was in medical school, University of Ife Medical School. I did a microbiology course that was very, very interesting and fascinating to me. I learned about bacteria and viruses. And the professor made that course so exciting that that was the first time I got interested in microorganisms like bacteria and viruses. And then when I was doing my training in New York, Long Island, New York, um, I did my residency and fellowship in Long Island, New York. And um, my uh, program director actually was an infectious disease specialist. And she made it so fascinating that, I mean, I just had no choice but to transition into infectious disease. It's one of those specialties that you have a chance to address infections from all over the world because the world is now a very small place and any infection in any part of the world is just one plane flight from getting to where you are. Like for instance, in America, any infection, no matter how far away uh, in the world, whether it's in Far East Asia, whether it's in South America or in Africa, it takes just one plane flight to get that infection to America. So we, as infectious disease specialists, we deal with people from all over the world, infections from all over the world, and uh, it's just very fascinating to me. Wow. So for the aspiring medical students, so we go to medical school and then do a residency in internal medicine, can you, and then a fellowship in infectious disease. How right. many years of training are we looking at? Um, it's interesting. Uh, students are always focused on the number of years. But as I always tell students, the time flies very quickly. After medical school, residency is three years and an infectious disease fellowship is at least two years. It could be three years if you do research, but time flies very quickly. Thank you so much for that. Now, I want to focus on what are the infections that can actually kill a pregnant woman in and around pregnancy, both talking from our rural city of Forsyth, Georgia, and looking at my home continent of Africa. What are these infections that can actually cause severe illness that we call severe morbidity 
and or mortality, that is death in a pregnant woman around and after pregnancy. There are several of them and um, it's probably easier if we divided them into bacteria and viruses. Bacteria, infections, bacterial infections in pregnancy, in pregnant women that can affect the mother and the baby very severely include things like group B streptococcus. Group B streptococcus is um, one of those diseases that can be fatal to a newborn. Some women carry that bacteria in their birth canals. Uh, Group B streptococcus can be present in the birth canal of a pregnant woman. That is why pregnant women are routinely screened for group B, the presence of group B streptococcus in their birth canals during the prenatal care. That is done routinely for all pregnant women. We need to make sure that they do not have group B streptococcus in their birth canals because as the baby is being born, coming through the birth canal, if the baby gets exposed to group B streptococcus, that can cause a very severe infection in that newborn that can result in death. So group B streptococcus is either at the top of the list or close to the top of the list. Group A streptococcus is also present as it can cause severe illness in a pregnant woman and result in death. So those two are very, very important. And before you go on, I just want to speak a little bit to group A streptococcus because that's one illness that that can rapidly affect a woman. And it's said to still be like a rare infection, but it can severely affect a pregnant woman in pregnancy. Invasive group A streptococcus infection is uncommon but well-recognized serious infectious condition in pregnancy and the postpartum. It says that pregnant and postpartum women have a 20-fold increase in attack rate compared to non-pregnant women and that the majority of cases, up to 85% of these cases, occur in the postpartum period with only 15% occurring during pregnancy. And that the annual incidence of group A streptococcus postpartum infection in the United States is about 6 per 100,000 live births. But globally, group A streptococcus sepsis causes about 75,000 maternal deaths every year. That is 75,000 women will die from invasive group A streptococcus infection every year. So that can be a serious infection. It's a very serious disease, and what makes it very serious is that the bacteria can produce a toxin, and that toxin allows the bacteria to spread rapidly through tissues. The group A streptococcus produces a toxin, and that toxin kind of breaks down the separation between cells or tissues. It's like something that is in a house, it's like a fire in a house, that is breaking the walls, has the ability to break the walls and spread rapidly throughout the house. So that's what group A streptococcus has. It has that ability to produce a toxin, an enzyme that can break down tissue planes and spread rapidly in tissues. And because of that, it can rapidly cause uh, infections that move quickly through the body and cause severe illness. Uh, It is the so-called flesh-eating bacteria and it is very, very rapidly moving. It can start as an infection in a toe and rapidly move up the leg within hours. So it's a very dangerous infection and it can be rapidly fatal. So if a woman has fever or any 
breakage in the skin in pregnancy, for instance, they should seek care quickly so that we can identify the organism. Yes, definitely, because that's all it takes. It takes a small break in the skin and that, that allows the bacteria to get in the skin and it can rapidly move upward throughout the whole body. Wow. So we talked about two bacterial infections, group B streptococcus, group A streptococcus. Are there any other bacteria infections or do you want to talk about the viruses that can cause infections and uh, illnesses in pregnancy? There are other bacterial infections and these include uh, the ones that cause uh, sexually transmitted infections. Uh, sexually transmitted infections like um, chlamydia, gonorrhea, and other things. These are very, very dangerous in, in a pregnant woman because there's that uh, possibility that infection will infect the fetus or the newborn baby. Now, uh, gonorrhea and chlamydia especially, because these are the two most common sexually transmitted infections, if they are present in a pregnant woman who delivers a baby through the birth canal, these infections can affect the newborn and cause, especially chlamydia. Chlamydia can cause infection in the eyes of a newborn, as well as um, gonorrhea. And this can cause significant infections in the newborn and result in debility, like in loss of vision, loss of hearing, and things like that. So all pregnant women have to be screened for sexually transmitted infections during pregnancy and before birth. Also, uh, the bacteria that cause urinary tract infections are very important. Uh, all pregnant women have to be screened for urinary tract infections. That is why uh, pregnant women, when they go to the prenatal clinic, every visit their urine is checked. Every visit their urine is checked because the, uh, the uh, healthcare providers want to find out if there's any evidence of a urinary tract infection, which must be treated immediately. So pregnant women are the only group of women where even when they don't have symptoms, you, we need to screen them for urinary tract infections or the presence of bacteria. Even the presence of bacteria in the urinary tract without any symptoms, that needs to be screened and looked for. And if that is found, then it must be treated immediately. Wow. Now, I don't want to forget trichomoniasis, which is another uh, sexually transmitted infection in the United States. And it is stated that in the southern part of the United States, it shares a disproportionate burden of infection with rates up to 14%. And that infection with trichomonas vaginalis increases risk of HIV acquisition and is associated with adverse perinatal outcomes, including preterm birth, low birth weight and premature rupture of, I mean, that is preterm premature rupture of membranes. Can you speak a little bit more to trichomoniasis in pregnancy? Right. The bacteria trichomonas vaginalis is, like you said, pretty common. It's a very common cause of sexually transmitted diseases. And it can predispose towards the acquisition of HIV infection. Any bacteria that causes damage to the lining of the um, genital tract, the genital urinary tract, any bacteria that causes damage to the lining facilitates the entry of HIV into the body. So things like trichomonas, things like uh, chlamydia, anything that would cause a genital ulcer will facilitate the entry of HIV into 
the body. So trichomonas is one of those very common uh, infections, uh, sexually transmitted, and pregnant women need to be screened for that uh, so that it should be treated so that it doesn't cause things like uh, premature, preterm premature rupture of membranes. That entity is another very, very important infection, can cause a very important infection in pregnant women because um, the baby is surrounded by membranes, two membranes, the chorion and the amnion, and these two membranes protect the baby by keeping out bacteria. So the baby is floating in a sac of fluid, amniotic fluid, surrounded by these two membranes. So in a situation where infection gets close to the, these membranes, the infection can enter these membranes. And once these membranes are infected, then the infection can spread into the amniotic fluid and infect the baby. And that can have serious outcomes for the baby. That can jeopardize the baby. That can result in the death of the fetus and the loss of the pregnancy. And also that can infect the mother and cause sepsis and death. So is that condition clinically called chorioamnionitis? Correct. Those two membranes, the chorion and the amnion, when they get infected, the clinical term is chorioamnionitis. And what are some of the symptoms so that, you know, a pregnant woman will know to seek help? For instance, if your, you know, membranes rupture prematurely, you want to seek help because the longer the time of rupture, the, uh, uh, the more the chances that external bacteria can get inside because the, there's a connection with the outside now. Right. Rupture of the membranes is a very dangerous event in a pregnant woman because it then creates a passage from the outside directly to the baby that bacteria can follow and infect the baby. So rupture of membranes is supposed to occur at birth, right at birth, when the baby is ready to be born, when labor is in progress. That's when rupture of the membranes is supposed to happen. But if rupture of the membranes happens prematurely, when the baby is not even ready to be born and opens a passage from the outside to the inside to directly to the baby, infection can then travel from the outside into the amniotic sac and infect the baby directly. So that's a very dangerous occurrence that leads to chorioamnionitis, which is a severe infection that can jeopardize the baby and the mother. And that usually manifests in leakage of amniotic fluid. If a woman who is not in labor starts to see her amniotic fluid leaking, that is an emergency and she needs to seek medical attention right away. When that infection happens, it usually manifests in, in things like fever, abdominal pain, chills, and the mother feels very, very sick and she needs to seek attention right away. Now, in my career, I have seen women managed, they were so sick that they had to be managed in an ICU setting, an intensive care unit setting. And I believe that's because the chorioamnionitis had become a systemic response in the form of sepsis. So can you tell us like the worst case presentation of a chorioamnionitis that has progressed to sepsis and what we do to save the woman's life so that she does not become another statistic in this maternal mortality events that we're looking at. Right. Chorioamnionitis can be a severe infection. It can lead to sepsis, like you said. 
uh, once the infection comes from the outside and gets into the amniotic sac and infects the baby, it can then spread systemically into the blood and go all over the body of the pregnant woman. And that becomes sepsis. And when that happens, there's a very high risk of what we call septic shock. And septic shock means that the infection is spread all over the body and the body has activated some defense mechanisms, which ultimately results in a severe drop in the blood pressure. And when that blood pressure drops, the person is in shock. And that person needs to be admitted and treated in the hospital and intensive care unit. The treatment probably will involve things like giving supportive fluids, giving uh, medicines to support the blood pressure, as well as very um, strong intravenous antibiotics. And in some situations, um, because of the the widespread infection in the body, it leads to dysfunction, organ dysfunction, uh, what we call multi-organ dysfunction. Several organs are failing at the same time. And these organs include the lungs, the patient is having difficulty breathing and maintaining oxygen, the kidneys are involved, the kidneys don't function right, patient cannot make urine, uh, the brain is involved, the patient becomes lethargic, the lungs are involved. So that is multi-organ dysfunction. And that happens in a situation where there's septic shock, which can result from chorioamnionitis. This is a very dangerous situation that if it's not properly managed, can result in the death of the mother as well as the fetus. Wow, wow. So just some of the things to do to prevent that situation is, like you said, if a woman feels that her membranes are ruptured or her amniotic fluid is leaking before she goes into labor, she needs to consider this an emergency and let her healthcare provider know. Because with early antibiotics, we can actually prevent sepsis and an ICU admission. Is that correct? That's very true. Rupture of the membranes, premature rupture of the membranes, if uh, identified early and managed aggressively, we can prevent infection, we can prevent chorioamnionitis, we can prevent sepsis and septic shock, and we can save the life of the mother and child. Now, in my career, there are some instances which in which a mother has an infection. And in 2021 America, the standard of care is not to allow a vaginal delivery. And that is to deliver that woman surgically by a C-section. One of those uh, instances is when a woman has active genital herpes. I absolutely do not want that baby coming out through the birth canal. Can you speak to the viral causes of infections in the mom and how serious they can be and how they can affect the baby? Yes, genital herpes, uh, usually type 2 herpes, sometimes type 1, can be very severe in a newborn Pregnant women need to be screened to find out if they have herpes uh, simplex infection, genital herpes simplex infection. So during the preterm, prenatal screening and management, that has to be one of the key things, especially before birth, going towards time of labor. Because if a woman has active genital herpes, and she's in labor, if that baby is born through that birth canal, there's a very, very high risk that that baby will be exposed to genital herpes simplex and will acquire that infection. And that infection can cause 
not only severe eye infections in the neonate, it can cause a systemic infection in the neonate that can result in severe morbidity, mortality, death of the feet of the neonate. So it is very important that any pregnant woman who has active genital herpes and is going to labor should be delivered via cesarean section and should not be allowed to have a natural birth in order to protect that fetus.